Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Deniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do, so we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. I'm scared to close my eyes. I see dead people. I believe you have my stapler. Now that I've met you, would you object to never seeing me again? This is not just a couch. It's just a couch! You take the red pill, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. You leave the light on after bedtime. I always thought it would be better to be a fake somebody than a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. What's your name? Nikki. I'm Gloria. From director Sidney Lamette. I got this kid. You know, my kid. His whole family said he's got nobody, so I get stuck with him. Comes a story of a boy. Do you like me? Yeah, kid, I like you. All alone in the world. I want my mommy. I want my puppy. Just breaks your heart. And the woman. You're not a mother. Who meant the world to him. I want to do the right thing. Sharon Stone, Gloria. If you wanted me to, I could be your mother. I think any uh, any podcast that episode number two is going out with Gloria from 1999 is probably not aiming to be too topical. I I, I tried to do a little bit of research on this, uh, a brief amount, and uh, boy, the internet. Uh, this one, like even IMDb, when I would type in Gloria, it did it wanted me to like do a couple click throughs before it would even give me the, it was like, it was recommending all sorts of other things. And I checked on uh, rotten tomatoes and there's like five reviews and they don't appear to be, it's not like, you know, the New York times or Ebert or anything of that nature. So this is, this is something that is 2017. That's just not, I don't know. I don't think it's been reappraised. So I I hope we're going to be the first ones to do so. This is our market, our very small demographic. Well, that's unfortunate. And, you know, I think, I think that Ebert and Siskel did, uh, review Gloria on their show. Um, you know, this Gloria. And I don't know. I didn't do research because, you know, I'm lazy. And instead I watched both the remake and the original because I hadn't seen either. Um, and I'm a big fan of Sidney Lumet. Uh, I think. That, you know, for me, I mean, I think he's like top 10 at the very least, uh, mm-hmm. directors of all time. And he has so many, uh, hidden gems and movies that people just passed over. Um, movies like The Pawnbroker, uh, which is great. And then even from the same year, which I just watch, uh, The Hill, movies that people just don't even talk about at all. And, you know, you watch them blindly and they're fantastic. Um, you know, I, I <laughs> like, like, I think we set this up that for, for a very negative, uh, assessment of Gloria. But the thing I would say about it is that I was both pleasantly surprised by it, but also almost equally disappointed by it. 
if that makes any sense. I well, I could see the first half. Uh, I won't agree with you on the disappointment of it because it's one that I had avoided. I've not seen the original, and we had talked uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, sort of preparing for this uh, about taking those two different viewpoints. So uh, you were going to watch the original, and I was not. So I, I didn't really know what it was about. I remember it had the awful poster, which is still on IMDb. I remember it from my video store days, <laughs> and it's just it was just hanging its hat on Sharon Stone. In 1999, which was, uh, you know, I think they had they had missed that wave as far as her her early 90s star power, and uh, so I didn't know, I knew nothing about it. So no, I wasn't disappointed, but I was entertained uh, at times. I did feel like having not seen the original, this seems like a movie that should never have been remade, and I don't even, I don't mean that as in it's something that. Uh, had to remain untouched as some sort it appeared to be some sort of classic it just feels like such a slight story that i i kept wondering what it was about the original so i hope you can fill me in does the original have some sort of um impact um on the film industry like why was this why was this a project that stone and lamette wanted to revitalized in some way well okay i can only say that i think this got remade when it did because of Sharon Stone, to me, that makes the most sense. I think it was probably some big personal project of hers that she probably saw as some sort of comeback vehicle or whatever. And, of course, it didn't work out that way. And, um, you know, there's a bit of poetic justice there because, I don't know, I don't think I don't think this is the right role for Sharon Stone. I think she's a little too beautiful to be believed that she would be passed over in this way. Uh, Gina Rollins, that makes a lot more sense. And, and yet the, the original is very different in many regards, which is, which is funny. I didn't, I haven't heard a, a lot of people say that. And I guess it's just because nobody's really seen, um, you know, this, this Gloria. And even the re, the original is, is very underseen as well. People like are aware of it and they know about it. But, you know, I only talked to one person who had actually seen the original Gloria. And yeah, he seemed to hold it up as some sort of, you know, incredible, um, you know, street, uh, crime movie. And it's weird. I think the original has about the same, uh, number of problems as this remake does, just in very different ways. Um, Gina Rollins is perfect in the original. Uh, and then almost everything else ha- is very problematic in that original film. There are some things in this remake, in the script of the remake specifically, that I think are a lot, are a lot cleaner. Um, for example, in this remake, she's getting out of prison. And in the original, there's no setup like that. She's just, it's just sort of, she happens to be living in the same apartment building as the little kid. And that's a really, that's a really weird setup in that for, you know, for that original film, because it's like, oh, hey, this kid's in the hallway and the parents want me to take him. And so I, I, I do. Like, it's kind of random. In, in this remake, one thing I like about it is that she makes this conscious choice to take this kid and to be a different person. And you immediately sense that it means something for her to do that. Um, and it takes a lot longer for that to, for that kind of idea to come in, in the original. And I think people just in general have a lot of reverence for John Cassavetes. I don't even really like 
most John Cassavetes movies that I've seen. (laughs) But I still have so much respect for him because how can you not? Like, this is a guy who, you know, mortgaged houses in order to get films made. This is a guy who, you know, borrowed money money from friends and he made movies whenever he could with, with his wife, with his family, with his friends, just however he could get them made. And then ended up dying a really, you know, kind of sad uh, death with uh, cirrhosis of the liver. Um, you know, which is probably the direction I'm heading in anyways, but, uh, so (laughs) (laughs) we're going to take it to a dark place. Uh, if you, if you found our varsity blues and she's all that discussion to be too light and fun, uh, Ben's going to course correct in episode two with Gloria. (laughs) I, I want to ask you about the kid and the Mm -hmm. relationship here, because something you said, I think I slightly disagree with and that I felt in this version of it. Uh, yes, she does make a, a very pointed uh, decision um, to, and there's a you know fairly comedic scene where she has these these gangsters stripped down and sort of has the the kid help in their their initial escape. But I wondered, uh, would she? Since we don't know much about this character, we know that she's loyal to a certain extent, and that she feels that she's she's owed something for this this prison sentence that she uh, served, and then when she comes back and. Uh, speaks with uh, this gangster that she has a relationship with that's, uh, in my eyes, unfortunately played by uh, Jeremy uh, Northam, who seemed like that was a uh, also this was like an up-and-comer at the time. Uh, I, I remember him uh, as the, the villain from The Net, which is probably something he doesn't want to be remembered for. But she confronts him, and he basically tells her, yes, you served your time, but you that hasn't really... Like you've not moved up in any regard with me. You're, you, you, we want to keep things the same. It's it's almost like some sort of relationship drama is playing out where it's a guy who doesn't want to commit, and she feels like she's given some sort of commitment to him and his criminal lifestyle. So my question to you is: Do you think she makes that rash decision to go against all of these people that she's sort of in bed with uh, if he's a little more favorable? to her and what she's gone through because she's basically been shown the hand and that's immediately afterwards. She realizes they're going to kill this child. She may have made that leap anyway, but I thought it was kind of interesting that they put those scenes almost back to back. I think it's interesting. That's a little bit more selfish of a decision that, that, that the two things do seem to go hand in hand that had, they just decided, Oh, Hey, yeah, come on, Gloria, let's let the good times roll again or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, that she probably wouldn't have taken the kid with, her at all. I think that's very interesting. I actually think that's much more true to human nature. I, I really don't want to go back to the original a whole lot because it's unfair to this movie and that's unfair to Sidney Lumet. But like and to again, me, and well, to me. <laughs> like again, in the in the beginning of the original, she just happens to be in the same apartment building as the little kid. And it's like, well, it's just highly coincidental that she is in the same apartment building as this little kid and his family, and also happens to be acquainted with all the gangsters who are after them. Like, that's one small apartment building in my opinion and you know in this one again it uh, it kind of makes a little bit more sense how they set it up um i also think uh, introducing bobby cannavale to the world here is really interesting and something that people would appreciate more now that he's a big name uh, i think at the, at the time this is his first role um i think his scenes in the beginning uh, as uh the father of the kid um, they're a lot more impactful than than they were in the original. And in all honesty, they're probably they're probably the best scenes in the movie. Now listen to me, okay? Take this disc. This disc will save your life, Nikki. Okay? It's your Bible. 
It's everything I know about everything, Papi, okay? You go down that fire escape the way you did when you ran away, you remember? Huh? You listening to me? You go find Uncle Manny, okay? You give him this disc, he'll know exactly what to do with you, okay? Don't answer the door, Angie! And listen to me, okay? You be a man, okay? Be a man, Papi, and you be tough, okay? Always be tough and you trust nobody. No broads, no friends. Angie, don't answer that door! Okay, you make your own way in this world and you call your own shots, okay? Now you go. You, you got your inhaler? Yeah, I got it. It's right here. Okay. Papi, I... No, 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 just go. Just go. You're the man now. You're the man, Papi. There's a lot I really don't like about this movie. There's a lot of things that really don't work. But I have to admit, they were they were on... They were heading in the right direction with this script. And I feel like... The, and this is the meanest thing to say. I feel like the weakest link is Sharon Stone, who I just feel is not right for this role. And as much like hard spirited work as she puts in, like I think she's really good in the subway scene and everything. Um, as much as she's able to bring in that regard, it doesn't fit that this beautiful woman would be the one being cast out from, from here. And then even those scenes with, uh, with Kathy Moriarty, uh, who's sort of representing, you know, I guess what Gloria could have become, what could have been her future, uh, kind of thing. Um, they don't work as well because again, you just don't see Sharon Stone as being on that same level. She's too beautiful, too pretty. Well, it, you know, it goes hand in hand that, uh, you know, your, your guess is that this was some sort of passion project for her. And uh, I don't think it's, I don't think we have to guess to know that because of her, that's the reason this this film exists. Like sure. her her signing sure. on her agreeing to do it. So yeah, I agree with you. She is too beautiful for it. Uh, but certainly, you know, the 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 people putting up the money for this, I, I don't know who released this film, would not want to uh, ugly up uh, Sharon Stone for this part to to put a little grit on her so she would fit that world a little bit more because they are going to slap her face on the poster and the trailers. Uh, I don't you know it doesn't make your criticisms invalid in any regard but i guess i kind of look over it uh because i like seeing pretty people on the screen <laughs> and i you know i can just i just i realize it's sharon stone and she's a big personality but you know there's a, oftentimes uh you know i just enjoy seeing tom cruise on screen too and i don't feel like he you know especially now in his later work does he ever get away from tom cruise sort of action star but it's fine you know i i, I knew what i was signing up for i think the, i think the reward with tom cruise is a little bit Better than whatever reward you would get, uh, with, and I, and I like Sharon Stone, and I hate the fact that you're, uh, that this whole episode is making me seem like a Sharon Stone hater, because <laughs> I actually really like Sharon Stone. I think she was great in Casino. I thought she was great in Basic Instinct. Uh, the, the Jim Jarmusch movie, uh, Broken Flowers, she's really good in that. Um, you know, she's, she's been good in a lot of different movies. Um, there are a lot of remakes in the 90s that, for whatever reason, people just sort of had a knee-jerk negative reaction to. Um, and Gloria is probably, yeah, it's probably not a good example of that. Um, but I think, like, the Sidney Pollack Sabrina is an example of a movie that is just fine, perfectly fine. Like, if you divorce it from the original and you just watch it for its own merits, it's fine. And there's probably a handful of other remakes like that, maybe Father of the Bride, something like that, um, you know, but uh, with Gloria, I definitely think it was like sort of like the film critics had had all they could take in terms of like remakes. <laughs> and, and they were just like, ah, you know, this this, this can't happen. <laughs> well, you know what they needed to do? They needed to wait until 2017 and then go back. And like, because I 
I felt like, okay, maybe I'm being too positive to this film because I felt like sort of what we talked about with varsity blues that, you know, with that one, I had seen it and I had not revisited since my youth and now watching it again, I was just like, wow, this was, this was a lot better than I, I thought it, you know, was even back then, like and trying to put it in context of 2017. Like, I felt like if this film came out, you know, this, you know, this month, I wouldn't have complained about going to the theater mm-hmm. and watching Gloria. Like I felt like, and it, this is going to sound dismissive, but I felt like it was perfectly fine. Like I, mm-hmm. I liked Sharon Stone, like trying this out, you know, it doesn't totally work. doesn't totally connect. I do agree with you. There are individual scenes here that I really enjoyed. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed that father son moment early on. Yeah. I enjoyed the George C. Scott moment with Sharon Stone later. I enjoyed him sort of filling in their relationship and and you know what? In a sort of surprisingly, I thought subtle performance for George C. Scott, given that he's playing the sort of, you know, head honcho gangster, in a way. I I thought that they were low key and I don't know, just pleasant. And maybe that's maybe that's part of the rub. Maybe with a film like this, with people getting, you know, families being murdered and this this chase to, to basically kill this child. Uh, being pleasant is somewhat offensive to crit- critics or audiences watching these type of films, but I I did enjoy my time with it. I mean, I don't I would not be banging the drum saying that people need mm-hmm. to watch Gloria, but if I had seen it back then, uh, certainly as a teenager, I would have probably been slapped myself a little bit and been like, hey, that was that was a lot better than the uh, than the poster than what you were giving it credit for. So no, I, th- I think it's fine. It's a fine movie. I think we're in perfect agreement, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, it's funny to make <laughs> for a horrible episode. Uh, it's got, always we, more we interesting have... when people have, you know, alternate viewpoints and everything. And I thought you'd hate this because of the kid, specifically. I thought the kid would really mm. send you into, like, overdrive Michael Denniston, I hate children uh, mode. And, well, I didn't feel um, like he was particularly... <laughs> precocious though see the original see the original it'll it'll kill you uh the kid in that movie (laughs) is is terrible it's one of the worst uh kid performances that i've ever seen and and i thought like i was looking up the original and i saw that the um kid from the original had gotten nominated for a razzie that year and i thought that's really harsh to nominate a six-year-old kid for a razzie (laughs) award and then i watched the movie and i was like yeah that makes sense um and weirdly enough i think that reflects upon Cassavetes because maybe because he was so used to working with, you know, professional actors and family mm. members and friends and everything that you bring in a complete novice and everything at that age. And it's not just going to work and fall into place. You know, he has to do the things that maybe he doesn't feel comfortable doing as a director and, you know, that, you know, falls apart here. This little kid is, you're right. It's a little bit more endearing, a little bit more easy to take. Um, some of the scenes of him are kind of grating. Um, but for the most part, they work out. Um, I like the chocolate cake and Pepsi scene. I think that works pretty well. Um, and I like, I like his version of the, I'm the man scene, which I think works out. I think works out way better here than in the original. And my one friend who had seen the original, like quoted me the I'm the man, man scene, uh, line for line. And, and I really think he's missing out because I think the, I think this remake does it a lot better. Hey, where'd you get that toy? You don't steal when you're with me. What are you nuts? What are you trying to get us arrested here? It's not your business what I do. You don't listen. And worst of all, you don't know when to admit when you're wrong. Tell me what to do. Put me down. I'm the man. I hey, tell you what to do. I don't fucking like the way you're talking to me. You have a filthy mouth. You listen to me, you little punk. You are just a little kid. Now act like it. Jesus Christ, you're five years old. I'm seven. I'm not a baby. I'm a man. 
man. I'm the man. You are he not the man. You are the boy. Now, you listen to me. You go to school, men go to work. You got no hair on your face, men do. You got a small pee-pee, men got big pee-pees. Well, some of them. And hopefully, one day, you will, too. Now, you are not the man. You are a boy. In the, in the remake here, it's a one-upmanship between him and Gloria, back and forth. In the original, it's just him, like, you know, saying all sorts of ridiculous things, uh, to, you know, to her. Um, and, you know, for me, it didn't work as well. Yeah, I think it just it just moves along at a quicker pace. Like there are moments mm-hmm. where you, I could see it start to drift off the rails or uh, get into some sort of territory where it's like, okay, this I understood how this sort of earned its its critical regard, which is, is something ridiculous, like a seventeen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. As I said, not a lot of reviews on there. Um, but no, I think it you know just it just keeps moving at a pretty good clip. I did I did read a, a funny quote. Uh, from Lumet that was uh, basically I don't know if it was a direct answer to why he did this remake but it was like you know I I want great material but uh, if I can't find it I'll I'll settle for something like fine or fair it was like oh okay so he kind of you know it's just he just he just kind of wanted to work he just wanted to and I I don't really like when uh, there's this need to to crush talents for trying on material that maybe they're not particularly suited for like we, you know, we have talked about with Sharon stone mm-hmm. being you know miscast. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of things like with, you know, musically, if you, if you look at this in a different, uh, artistic medium, uh, I, I feel like that musicians get far more respect when they try on different hats and maybe it's because, um, movies, there's just so many people involved and it just takes so long to get them off the ground and get them in front of the audience. But, uh, especially now, we are really quick to uh, devour someone for for doing some putting themselves out there, and I, I feel that's like what Stone was doing. That's what kind of Lumet's doing a little bit here, just just trying to do a simple little story and uh, do it as effective as they can. And at times they miss, but if this, you know what, this I'll I'll, I'll do something better than Rotten Tomatoes. If this was on TNT, it's my TNT <laughs> test. I would keep watching it. Like if I you know if I had not seen it before, if, even if I wasn't doing it for a podcast, if I came in. Uh, especially with the the father son moment, or even after that, if I came in after Sharon Stone gets out of jail and is having an argument about her her future, her where she stands in life, I would watch until the very end. So I, I think that's you know that's about as high as regards I can give uh, a film on a, a blind watch. We're very much on the same page, and um, I'll tell you because I do want to focus on things that we disagree on, uh, just for for the sake of argument. Um, sure. Here are my two. Were the, the two worst, cause you know, quite frankly, I, I do consider myself an expert on Sidney Lumet. Uh, not, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but this really, even though I disagree with the critical assessment of this movie, um, I will agree that this is bottom of the barrel, Sidney Lumet. There, there are very few Sidney Lumet movies that I've seen and, um, regretted actually checking out, and I don't regret watching Gloria, but I can definitely rep- get to definitely see that this is not him at his best. And so the scenes that stick out to me is this early scene where when when she first takes the kid, and the way she gets away from all the mobsters is by holding a, a gun to five of them and making them strip and throw their clothes out. Um, I think for one, number one, the scene goes on way too long. Number two, it's a weird interjection 
of humor that that doesn't quite work and a weird amount of nudity for a movie that might have had some sort of appeal to <laughs> to the family audience maybe uh you know a little little off-putting and then this stupid joke that oh yeah they're playing strip poker like like I, I love quirky gangsters in movies uh but they clearly had not sold me that these guys were stupid enough to believe something like that and also just to allow her to get away with it, like there's five of them. Um, the, the version of this scene that occurs in the original, which they're, which they're directly taking, you know, uh, taking apart from, um, it's her and two other gangsters. And that's a little bit more believable. Um, but he, you know, here that really doesn't work. And it probably takes up like a good 10% of the movie. Um, and the other thing that doesn't work, is this ending that that does feel like it goes on for forever and leaves a lot of um, things left unsaid, a lot of areas left unexplored. I find it hard to believe that the solution that Gloria has come up with is really going to work, um, you know, with the people that, that she's up against here. Like, it just seems kind of incredulous that after what they've established about this disc that the father has given to his child, that, that they're just going to kind of, Oh yeah, well, whatever. Hopefully this all works out. Um, kind of thing. It doesn't, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, neither does this whole ending in the airport. Uh, you know, that didn't work for me either. I feel like they had a good ending at one point And then for whatever reason they held back, um, and didn't allow, the character of Gloria to do the right thing and do the mature thing. And weirdly enough, the, the ending of the original is, you know, very similarly flawed, um, just incredibly corny and cheesy and not believable in terms of, you know, the, the solutions that the characters have to the situation. Okay. Uh, to your, the, uh, the strip poker scene, sure. I enjoyed it. Um, I just felt like it just, you know, just emphasized yet again, how little they think of her. Like they don't, they don't find her to be any sort of threat. They think that this is, at most, uh, just going to set them back, um, maybe a half hour at most. Uh, and we do see later on in the film where she ends up kind of going to the spots they expect her to show up. Pretty much, I mean, going to the, the kids' neighborhood. There's a scene, I believe, in a diner where she sort of ducks her head um, when mm-hmm. we have the the Dumb and Dumber uh, hitman or the bounty hunter or whatever uh, come in and look for. Her. And I, I just I, I was fine with it. I just I just thought that uh, yeah, it's just it just shows that just women are just something that uh, even when they have the upper hand, uh, she is just there for their titillation, really in a way. Because you know a couple of them are certainly almost getting off on the fact that they're having to uh, undress in front of her, as if this is uh, just some sort of sex act. Uh, even though she is unnerved and she is fearing for this child's life, the ending I will agree with you on to a point i actually thought it was ending in the uh the hotel room where there's they're sort of having this conversation uh-huh. about uh she could be his mother and he actually the kid actually i thought had a really good line where it's like well you're my mother my father my uh-huh. girlfriend you know you're pretty much everything to me now because i don't i don't have anybody i mean it's a very sad line but it's you know it's played kind of cute and i like that that mixture that that sort of dual meaning of it I thought it was going to end there, like with her sort of tickling him, him falling asleep, and then her just sort of having to sit up. Because, as you said, I did have the expectation that, like, well, they're not really going to get away. Like, this is this is just a, a momentary lull, a, a bit of respite uh, for a life that they'll they'll never have. They'll never fulfill those 
uh, relationship goals of, of being a mother or being uh, a son again to someone. Uh, and then it does kind of awkwardly go on with this like private school and the airplane sequence. But I'll, I'll have to admit, as a as a true podcast you know, film critic, which I'm putting that in air quotes because I, I don't believe in the, the term, um, I had already kind of checked out at that point. It's like, <laughs> I don't know if you ever, <laughs> if you ever watch a movie and you kind of enjoy it, like, oh, this yeah, is a great yeah, ending and then yeah. it keeps going. It's like, you kind of just like, nope, that's, I had my ending. So I'm just not really paying attention anymore. I do the same thing. I do the same thing. I'll admit that okay. uh, at a certain point, if a movie wins me over, I'm just like, okay, yeah, whatever. I'll, you can do whatever you want from here on out. <laughs> um, you know, you know, this was a movie that was dumped, I think. And the, the Dumb and Dumber uh, villain uh, who you're talking about is actually <laughs> character actor Mike Starr, who is someone I really like. And he's shown up in, like, The Office, and he always plays this type of character, gangsters, um, big guys and everything. Um, in, in my fantasy world, um, I've always wanted to make a Harvey Weinstein biopic and cast Mike Starr. <laughs> And that dream is gradually, you know, dying uh, as I get older, but, and as he gets older too, but, but I do think it'd be perfect. Uh, he's a great actor. He's, he said he's, he's great in here. Like, I mean, he has, you know, his moments where you, you, you believe him as this unstoppable killer and everything. And then suddenly the script kind of changes, uh, you know, it's tune and, and, and he's getting kind of marked down for his mm-hmm. rash decisions. And I like that. That seems very realistic and interesting to me. I, I think they could have fleshed some of that out more, but granted, it's not a movie about those people. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely did not want to go back to uh, Jeremy Northam. Uh, I wanted to stay away from him as much as possible. Uh, I think he's, I think more so than Sharon Stone, I think he's the one that really, really is miscast here. I just, I don't, I, I, I did not find him believable in the slightest, and especially when he's surrounded by. Uh, you know, as I call him, the Dumb and Dumber guy, Mike Starr, uh, and and the other actors who I, I probably just wouldn't recognize uh, that sort of fit a certain certain look. Uh, I don't know. He's just too, you know, he's just too slight in appearance, and he's too strangely recognizable to me, or at least was from that time period. That I just, I just. I didn't like seeing his face on screen, which sounds harsh, but <laughs> no, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. I mean, he was one of the problems that I had and, and it is funny. It's just kind of one of the, this is the, this is the difficult thing about this movie is that I'm trying to recommend it and trying to say some of the good things about it, but I do have to kind of emphasize that this is a movie for me that like barely works. Like there, there, <laughs> there are long patches of it that I wanted to check out from. Um, and then, and then George C. Scott would show up and have this great scene and explain, oh, yes, we're, you know, we're talking about, you know, phone numbers, policemen phone numbers. Do I have to remind you what's on that disc? Names, names of cops, sergeants, lieutenants, captains, everyone we had on the pad, dates, numbered accounts, judges, congressmen or two, couriers, <laughs> the whole fucking life's work. If any of this comes back to me, I'll kill you. I promise. It was like, wow, I've always wanted to see, like, a George C. George C. Scott in, in, like, a Sidney Met movie. And, and, you know, it's spectacular. And then there would be, like, a lot of crap. And, and then a lot of stuff that didn't work, specifically this ending. Um, I feel like third time's the charm. Remake it again. Not for theaters, because that's dead. But I guess HBO <laughs> or something. And, and third time's the charm. They could get it right. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it as an HBO 
Uh, you know, not even a, a movie. Uh, I, I would see it more as a TV series at this uh-huh. point. Yeah, if you actually wanted point. to fill out the cast of characters, I think it, this is something that could work uh, in long form storytelling, at least for a, a miniseries, a season. So, yeah, I think I, I think it's a fine idea. I also am, I have to admit, uh, and you just reminded me of it, uh, George C. Scott, the image of him holding up a floppy disk drive and sort of looking like with disgust at Jeremy Northam. I'm surprised there's not some film Twitter hipster that doesn't have that image as his avatar because I would I would immediately you know click on their account and wonder what I was what am I looking at George C. Scott holding this floppy disk drive. But um, yeah, that's uh, at least uh, Gloria gave us that. No, that's, I mean, something. no one saw this movie is the reason that that, that doesn't <laughs> exist. And, you know, um, I can see why it flopped. I can, I can absolutely see why it flopped. Like the, the, the movie has a really exciting car chase in the middle, like, like a good hour into it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And even though it works, it's like the, you wonder if the audience that came for that is still paying attention at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't really a movie that really, f- tried to find an audience uh it seemed to it seemed to be kind of on its way to being a good movie in terms of its script and then they maybe they had Sharon Stone they only had her for a certain amount of time and they had to film it at that point or whatever that would be my guess of what happened yeah the the structure of it is is strange uh at times because it's you get little bits like the the subway scene you mentioned uh, liking her performance in is uh, sort of high melodrama there where she's, you know, it's like uh-huh. you can see that with any, any moment in entertainment or in real life where, you know, a mother loses their child and that, that panic that sets in uh, and you, you know, the car chase taking place, which is, uh, it is fun. It's a fun car chase, especially how it sort of wraps up and resolves. Uh, but nothing, that's why I, I thought initially this is just very slight. Like I just wondered why it was remade, yeah. but I don't know if this is streaming anywhere. I doubt it. <laughs> I had to buy a double, um, disc with the original and the remake, and that was the only way I could see either. Yeah, saw that on Amazon. I was, I was like, I wonder if Ben Zook is going to be the one that oh, <laughs> one my. of those one of those poor warehouse workers is like, what the hell? <laughs> Getting that out of the, the vault. They, they had to go all the way back to the Ark of the Covenant and you know yeah. pick up the the Gloria 1999. Uh, <laughs> I actually think you should pitch this to your friends at Original um, versus Remake or whatever. And because I do think the original and this remake would make for a very interesting discussion. Well, what I usually do with these type of things is uh, if I watch a movie for uh, one podcast, I will try to work it in for another one so I can save time. And also, I, yeah, I, I think anyone who, you know, if you have a good time with this one, like I, I did, uh, you can't help but be curious to want to check out the, the original. I recently did that with um, Heaven Can Wait. And uh, here comes Mr. Jordan and Down to Earth, which was a mistake. But I ended up watching all three of them like in a weekend just because I got curious. I watched one, so I just wanted to keep watching the other ones. So uh, I don't, that's probably a bit too much to ask for anyone who's listening to this podcast at this point. Uh, I would just say, uh, would you uh, have them check out the original or the, the remake? If they're, if they're only going to give it uh, you know, two hours to one of these, which one do you think is worth the, more of their time? I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I would – recommend that they check out the the remake, weirdly enough. Um, hmm. I, th- I think the original has a much better central performance, and it's important in that regard. But I don't know. This film worked a little bit better for me. 
And so I, I think that, uh, that just to wrap things up, I, I see a natural transition here to the film we're going to be discussing next week for anyone who's listening to this podcast, which also has some uh, has a similar original and remake uh, sort of format that uh, I think both of us are keen to talk about, which is uh, Mel Gibson in Payback, which uh, had a sort of troubled history. And I, I believe, at least my intention is to watch um, his version and then watch the uh, straight-up director's cut uh, as well. So uh, I don't know if uh, Ben, is, if you're going to feel like double-dipping again, but our listeners are going to have to put up with it if they're going to continue with this podcast. I'm going to watch them in opposite order, though. I'm going to watch the director's cut, then the um, theatrical. Okay. Well, I, I will go original <laughs> and then director's cut then. We'll, we'll see if there's any differences. But, um, yeah, I, Ben Zook uh, hopes that he disagrees with me more next week. Oh, yeah. And I... I will try. You know, I will try to please you in that strange, sick way that you like, just being very disagreeable. But uh, we'll see. Any uh, final thoughts, Ben, on the state of the industry, state of 1999 up to this point, January oh, 22nd? Oh, 1999, I'm, I'm having a great time. <laughs> I mean, I just, I truly, if I could truly quit my job uh, and just do this, like, <laughs> and relive 1999. <laughs> I was saying on another podcast that, you know, I, I've, I think that what makes listening to film discussion uh, far less interesting now is that it is constant. It's constant summer movie season mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, you know it's King Kong in March and Beauty and the Beast, and it's like there's this strange obligation as for to be in the conversation with, through whatever means, like through social media, podcasting, whatever. And you can hear the people being beat down, the people who are passionate enough to like do one of these things to have a blog or podcast. And I think they should just stop. <laughs> I'm not saying stop <laughs> seeing movies, but don't give in. You don't have to constantly treat it like it's, you know, I, these are the big blockbusters because it will never end. You know, we'll get to the third week of January and there will be some big monster movie release. It's just they're going to fill up. So, you know, what they need to do is uh, is start a movie podca- podcast where, where Gloria is the, the feature film of the week, the one being discussed. So. Uh, I, I'm not regretting. Doing, I'm not regretting my decision. I mean, I've, I've missed such cinematic classics such as The Boss Baby and Power <laughs> Rangers and Beauty and the Beast, which there's already two, I already have two good versions of that at home that I like. So I don't know why I would go out and pay and see that again. Um, you know, wow, yeah, I'm really, really missing it. Really missing it. See, I, I feel like I'm I'm encouraging your your hermit like ways, like because when I when I propositioned this uh, to you, uh, I thought like that'd be fun to go relive a year, and it feels like we're we're becoming like the Michael Shannon character from Take Shelter. We're like That's building our podcast. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that.